You're listening to a podcast of Red Sea Church, a community of faith in Portland, Oregon, where our mission is to draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy into culture. Uh, well, good morning, church. Uh, we're going to start out here with a word of prayer, and then we're going to jump right into, uh, into our passage for this week. So I would invite you guys to, uh, to pray with me. Uh, Father, we come before you, and I uh, just thank you for uh, being able to gather in this place, uh, being your people, uh, chosen people, uh, chosen by you to be in relationship with you. And we get to come in here and, and celebrate that relationship with you through the singing of these, these songs as we, um, we worship you and we, we reorient our lives around you, uh, Father. Uh, we also want to learn from you and learn from your ways. We thank you for your word, acknowledging that you have spoken and you have revealed yourself. So it is possible to know you and to know uh, how we should live in relationship with you and one another. And so as we approach your scriptures today, God, I pray you would just soften our hearts to your ways. Uh, we tend to be rebellious toward your ways. Uh, and, uh, and so we just want to be uh, kind of retaught and reminded of your goodness and your grace and your plan. So just soften our hearts as we talk about parenting today, uh, God, that we would, uh, we would just know you and what you're doing. So we ask this in your name. Amen. Uh, I was able to uh, go hunting this past uh, week. I missed church last Sunday, so thank you guys for a, a week away. Uh, and I went hunting for the first time in a decade. I grew up a good southern boy in Alabama, and my dad used to take me hunting. But I didn't hunt most of my adult life. And then recently, I really wanted to pick it up and, uh, and get back into it. So we've got a guy in the church named Dennis who's just an avid hunter. And so me and Wally uh, decided to, to team up with Dennis and go hunting. So he took us out to the middle of nowhere kind of central Oregon. Uh, I've never driven down dirt roads for that many miles before. Uh, and found this amazing camping spot and hunting spot in a national park. Anyway, the first morning, he takes us out, and, uh, and me and Wally haven't really hunted before, uh, you know, not at least up here in Oregon. So he takes us out and uh, basically says, okay, there's the woods, go hunt. <laughs> we were like, Okay, you know, and uh, I had a big, bright orange jacket on. I was that guy. Wally's like in solid camo, like he looked like a tree, and you couldn't see him the whole time, but everybody knew where I was, and I just didn't want to get shot. And so we go wandering out into the woods, and we might have made it 100 feet, and I lost Wally. I mean, he was gone. I'm like, okay, maybe he can see me because I don't have a clue where he is. So I wander through the woods, and I come down to this gully uh, in the midst of, of, a, of a wooded area, and, and Dennis had said, you know, walk a ways and then just sit down and see if anything comes by, and then if not, you know, keep walking, and eventually you'll find the deer. Apparently that's all hunting is. And, uh, and so the magic, guys, the secret of hunting, wandering around in the woods with a gun. And so, um, so I sit down next to this really big pine tree It's back behind me, and I just kind of make myself comfortable. And, uh, and, I, and I'm sitting there, I'm just watching the woods, and it's beautiful and peaceful and scenic and all that, right? And so I see these two doe, probably like 50 yards from me. You know, they come, you know, Bambi's mom comes wandering through the woods. And so I'm kind of watching it, and I'm thinking like, okay, maybe there's some bucks with this doe. You know, if they tend to travel together in a pack or herd or whatever. So I'm watching, and I'm watching. The first doe wanders by, no bucks. Another doe comes by. I'm like, okay, I'm sure there's a buck here. Watching, watching, no buck, nothing comes through. And so then I just sit there and watch these two does for a while. And then I'm like, okay, I'm really going to give it a while. I'm not going to move because they tend to run away when they see you. And, uh, and so I waited and I waited and waited. I mean, I must have sat there 20 or 30 minutes, like waiting and waiting and waiting. And finally I was like, okay, this sucks. There's like nothing here. 
know, we came all this way, I'm in the middle of the woods, and we're not going to get anything, right? So I stand up, and I turn around, and I promise you guys, 30 feet behind me are three gigantic bucks. I mean, they're all four or five pointers on each side. They're just massive. So I freak out, and they freak out, and they, they go running up this hill. And I had never shot one before, so I'm like, okay. And so I go running up the hill after them, and I come to a clearing, and, and they stop like 100 yards away from me, and I get up my rifle and fired. And there was something wrong with the rifle because it didn't hit them. And, uh, and, and they kind of pranced off, and, and then you're, your blood's like, you're just, oh, oh, what just happened? You know, that was awesome. So I, it really got us, uh, got us hooked on it. We definitely want to go back. Uh, we didn't get any deer, uh, but we had a really good time, and we chalk it up as a really good learning experience on how not to hunt. Um, the reason I tell you guys that story is I was reflecting back on it in the context of, of parenting, which is what we're talking about today. I think a lot of times the challenge in parenting is, uh, you know, we're kind of in the, in the grind of it. You know, you're You've you got your kids there and your wife, and, and there's behavior issues going on, and you kind of like, this is hard. Like, this kind of sucks, you know? Like, there's not really anything going on here. And you forget that there's actually this amazing opportunity all around you to disciple your kids if you just look for it. I mean, there's these massive, beautiful bucks I think, in, in parenting, that if we would just open our eyes to these everyday challenges that we have and how God wants to use them, we'll begin to see the day-to-day life of being a parent as a beautiful gift from God, but, but be more intentional with the time that we have with our kids. That's really the point I want to drive home today. So we, are, we started a series on family uh, a couple of months back. It's kind of a mini-series in the midst of a, of a larger series. And, and we started off with this idea of, of who God is and what He's done. And we saw that God exists inside of a relationship with Himself. We call it the Trinity. And we saw that inside of God's relationship with Himself, He has roles and responsibilities. You look at God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. Each of those has a unique role. Each of those has unique responsibilities inside of the Godhead. But they also have a communication that they share with one another. They have submission that you see inside of the Word. You also see uh, unity and intimacy inside of their relationship. But we then took God and used Him as our model for family. And our our little tagline here is the days are long and and the years are short. So let's just be intentional with the time that we have. Let's look at who God is. Let's then model the family out of God. So we came out of that conversation with this idea that inside of the family... Just like inside of the Trinity, there are roles and relationships that exist. And we spent the last few weeks walking through those roles and relationships. The first week after we laid out God's plan for family, we then looked at singleness and what's unique about your roles and relationships as a single person, communication, submission, unity, and intimacy. Last week, Royce talked about marriage and the role and the design for marriage. And it was, it was quite challenging to some of us, I think, because when we start talking about ideas of like male headship, uh, it, it kind of gives you the eebie-jeebies because we didn't grow up in a culture that believes that, but we're looking at it and saying, okay, I see what he's saying and I see what God's design is and what God's design is. And so we have to, you know, submit ourselves to that and start figuring out what that looks like inside of, inside of the family. Well, today we're going to be doing the same thing with parenting, and I'm going to look at mainly the role of what is the main role of parents and what is the main responsibility of parents when we look at God's design. So children, like us, we said that all of us as God's creation are created to image God. That's why he made us in his image. 
This idea of reflecting and imaging God, we use the word worship inside of the church. Me worshiping God is me reflecting God back to him and also to one another. So children image God just like adults. Children are called to worship God, but children are also naive and they're also sinners just like us. So children, like adults, we don't naturally image God. We naturally distort God. It's called a a worship distortion. Uh, My kids, if you're a parent, you realize that your kids don't naturally desire God. They like the idea of God, but they naturally desire self, right? Try to teach a child to share a toy. It is a foreign concept to that child because they are sinful and they worship self. All of us were born this way. It's kind of a part of our human existence. So then children have to be taught how to worship God, how to image God. Parenting then, for all of us who are parents and those who will be parents and those who are grandparents, parenting then is shaping children into the image bearers that God created them to be. So as parents, we need to see the day-to-day grind of life with our kids as our opportunity to put the glory of God on display in the life of our kids. And this is going to involve us as parents and children operating inside of our God-given roles and responsibilities inside of the family. So we're going to start off by talking about fathers in the Old Testament. We're going to talk about mothers, and then we're going to talk about children. We're going to look at each of those roles, and then we'll move on to their responsibilities in a little while and look at Deuteronomy chapter 6. So let's start with the role of, of the, the family in the Old Testament. So in the Old Testament, the family was not compromised of just the nuclear family like we would see today with a husband, wife, and their children. It also extended to married children, and their family, so if one of your kids, if I was a dad and one of my kids got married, their family was then a part of my family. And it also extended to any unmarried children and, and the relationship that you have with them. It even went beyond that to family included any servants that were inside of the house. So you had this large, large family. The head of this family was known as the, as the patriarch, Okay. And the family life revolved around this father figure. Now, he is the predominant figure in the Old Testament of the Bible. Uh, Abraham, Moses, David, Joseph, these guys were all patriarchs. They were all heads of households. Life revolved around this father figure, not because he was a dictator, but because of the trust and the security and the shepherding that he provided for the extended family. So here's the challenge. That's kind of the biblical model of family with a, with a patriarch, a male patriarch who, who shepherds over this family. The feminist movement over the last 60 years has all but discredited this notion of male headship and particularly a man leading a family. And let's be honest, they've had some pretty good reasons for doing so. There's been a pattern of men who have not stepped into their responsibilities to lead the family. Instead of sacrificing their desires and their wants for that of their family, they chose instead laziness or the worship of self. Uh, many of us, I think, when we look at our families, can, be, can attest to the fact of a dad who did not step into his role as father and leader of the home. I know many of you guys have been in a relationship with you, and this was the case for a lot of us. We were not given a model of a dad who was the leader 
of his household. Uh, we were discussing this past week in, in home community, and, and, and kind of the point I'm making is, is we find ourselves in this place where dads are not really expected to lead their families anymore, and just because we find ourselves here doesn't mean it's okay. We can't just say, well, that's just the way it is, and we're just going to have to learn to deal with it. When we were having this conversation in home community this week, uh, we were talking about how hard it is to have the conversation with your unbelieving friends about the idea of male headship. Like, it's not exactly a politically correct term to use or to even talk about. But just because it's a foreign concept and just because it's no longer the cultural norm doesn't mean that we get to discard it because it is God's design for the family. And the only way that we're going to be able to change course and get family back to the way that God designed it is all of us submitting to our roles and our responsibilities in leading the family. And this is going to involve men stepping up to your responsibility to lead and loving your families the way that Christ loved the church. So I just want to emphasize something real quick. As we talk about this sensitive topic, and Royce did this really well last week, uh, we would believe, uh, me and Royce, and, and we would say the scriptures and look at God's design. He made a pretty, pretty good case last week that men were created to lead in God's created order. When you look at Genesis 1 and 2, man was created first. He was given the command to steward before God had created Eve. Eve. Eve was made from man to come alongside as his helper. Now that does not mean that Eve is any less valuable than Adam. Men and women are created equal in the eyes of God, but they have different roles and responsibilities inside of the family. It's not a matter of worth. It is a matter of role and responsibility. We can see this in the curses that each men and women experienced in the Garden of Eden after sin. Man's stewardship of the earth was cursed, resulting in him having to sweat by the toil of his brow, by the toil of his brow, toil by the sweat of his brow. Uh, Likewise, women's relationship with their husbands as his helpmate are now cursed, resulting in a fight for leadership or a fight for headship. Therefore, here's what I'm kind of getting at today. Uh, Fathers, your primary role inside of the family is to lead, okay? What's that look like? You are responsible for your family drawing to Christ, developing in community, and deploying in the culture. That's our mission statement as a church. You can use a hundred different words to say the exact exact same thing. You are responsible for your family having a relationship with God, having a relationship with with other believers inside of the church, and having a relationship with this lost world that God has called us to reach. Okay? Mothers, your primary role is to come alongside your husband and help him lead your family. Draw to Christ, develop in community, and deploy in the culture. Helping looks different in every single family. One of the things that me and Royce are not going to do is we're not going to get up here and tell men that their primary role is to work outside of the home and women, your primary role is to stay at home and raise children. That's not what it says. Men, your primary role is to lead your family to God. Women, your primary role is to help in that process. Dads, leading your family is not just working, although that's a big part of it. Mothers, helping your husband lead the family is not just you doing all of the child rearing, but not expecting your husband to lead or trying to lead the family for him is fighting against God's natural design for us. I know we in this room, not all of us believe that, 
But that is what, as we've studied the scriptures, we keep coming back to over and over again, is this is God's plan. So here we go. Husbands and wives, the reason that we stopped preaching through the book of Matthew exegetically and are doing this little, this little mini-series, this little topical series, is a twofold problem that continues to be reoccurring in the church. Men, we are not leading, and women, you are leading. We, we've spent this series talking about design instead of just practice because we have to understand God's purposes for the family. Part of the reason that we're having all of these challenges is that we are trying to operate outside of God's design. And it would be easy for us to give up, get up here and give you five points to parenting or ten points to being a better spouse or any of those things. That's not going to help us if we're fighting against God and His designs. Now, I have been here eight years now, and I've seen some amazing growth in the men in this church of them stepping up to their responsibility to lead the family, repenting of selfishness, and doing the hard work of leading. We have much work to do there, men, but we are continuing to move in that direction. We're going to talk a little bit about the other side of that, and the problem isn't just men leading. It's also the fact that the women are naturally wanting to step in and fill this void. We have a number of very strong female personalities in this church, which is awesome. I love you ladies. But at the same time, you're going to have this natural tendency to want to step in and lead, especially if there's a void in your, in your family relationship. If your husband isn't leading, you're going to say, well, somebody has to. And so you're going to want to step in there and, and, and take over. The challenge for you mothers is figuring out how do you help your husband without taking over. And this is going to involve a lot of grace and prayer for your husband. God's doing a work inside of your husband of reconciliation, of repentance. It's a process. Many of us guys did not grow up, like I said, did not grow up in a house where, where male headship was modeled for us. We also grew up in a culture that, to be honest with you, didn't expect very much of us, right? That's the male prototype fat, lazy, watches a lot of TV and works because he has to. Watches a lot of football, drinks a lot of beer. Hey, it's, that's what it means to be a man. Shoots deer, you know. <laughs> or not, in my case. But God has expected so much more out of us as men. We've all lived in this upside-down world for so long that we really think it's right-side up, and this is the way it should be, but it's not. So the way that we're going to course correct is starting with repentance to God's ways to then lead to, to, to a, a change in our behavior, a change in our life. It's going to be a long, a long, messy process of restoration. So dads, your role in the family is patriarch. You are the, the shepherd of the entire family. You have to begin to see yourself in this role. Because whether or not you see yourself, you will answer before God for your family in a way that your wife will not have to. Men, let's step into God, our God-given role and let's lead. And, I, and hopefully we will lead well. I believe that as you lead your family to God, your family will follow you. Mothers, your role is, is matriarch who comes alongside your husband to lead. This is not a demotion in any way. 
It is a beautiful picture of what Christ has done in serving and sacrificing all of us. It's for you to serve and sacrifice your husband and your family and to put their needs before your own. I also want to talk a little bit about single parenting. Because in home group this week, the topic came up, and I realized we haven't spent a whole lot of time talking about single parenting in this series because it is a very unique stage in life that many of us have found ourselves in. So single parents, uh, you have an obviously even tougher job because you are going to have to operate in both roles of of, of a patriarch and of matriarch. If you're a single mother then you're going to have to operate that way if there is no dad who is really involved in the life of the child. If you're a single father, then you also are going to have to operate in both roles. Now, here's the obvious truth. You were not made to do that. You were not designed to do that. When we get to the roles and responsibilities, when we get to the responsibilities section in a minute, you're going to have to carry the weight of the responsibility. You all have no one to share shepherding your children with on a regular basis, right? It's kind of, a, kind of an obvious statement. I need you guys, as tough as it is being single, I need you to cling to the truth of Philippians 4.19 that my God will supply every need of yours according to his riches in Christ Jesus. When I talked about singleness two weeks ago, I talked about how as a single person, you have a very unique opportunity to model dependence on God, whether you have children or not. A single person has to look to God to provide something for them that other people sometimes find in relationship with a husband or a spouse. It's a beautiful opportunity of trust and security in God and God alone. I was raised by a working single parent. I know firsthand the challenges of single parenting. But one of the things that I respect my mother the most for is she modeled for me and my brother trust in God. And she just leaned into God on a regular basis to provide for us as a family. You know how the God provided for us as a family? Through other people. I can tell you a time, every, every step in my life, preteen, high school, college, young adult, and even today, God has provided another man who is not my father, who has shepherded me in each of these, each of these series of my life. And all of them came from the local church. All of them were men who stepped up to love me and my family because they knew that my mom was having to operate as patriarch and she wasn't designed to do that. And I respect you mothers for doing that. I'm not criticizing because that's the reality of where God has allowed you to come to this place. So don't diss that by any means, but I want to encourage you to let others come in and help you shepherd your family. Men, patriarchs of the family, you are responsible for all of your family, not just your immediate family. If there is a single, kid, if there is a single parent, a fatherless child, a motherless child in your distant family, you are responsible for that child. Inside of this church, we are a family. This is our identity. It's how we, we come together as a community of God's people. As family, we are responsible for one another's children. Men, if there's a single mother in this church, it's our responsibility to help shepherd and parent that child. Step into it. Own it. Mothers, it's the same way. If you see a dad who has kids, I would encourage you to, to, to approach that parent and say, hey, let me help you shepherd 
your child together. Because I believe that's why God's placed us together, to help carry this burden. None of us should feel like we are raising our children on our own. Children, which all of us are in here, and a few of us are, are younger children, your responsibility, your primary role is much like parents. I said this earlier, is to worship God. The way that you do this that is very unique to your stage of life is by honoring and obeying your parents. God's placed them over you to shepherd your heart. So obedience then is, a, is your primary act of worship. Parents, we need to see that in our kids too. Their primary act of worship before God is obedience. Obedience is so foundational to the Christian faith. It's so foundational to being a child of God that it's one of the premises of the Ten Commandments. Honor your parents. I want to challenge you who are children to change the way that you think about why you are obeying. Seeing clean, begin to see cleaning your room as an act of worship. For those of you who are older, who are still under the authority of your parents, see obedience and listening and honoring your parents as an act of worship. We talked about this last year when we taught through Ephesians. When we got to Ephesians 5. And I would encourage you guys to go back and listen to that message again. It's got some great content for those of us, especially if we are an older child who has trouble, trouble submitting to our parents. Uh, it's online and you can check that out. Okay, let's move now to responsibilities. We talked about the different roles inside of the family. What, are the, what is the main responsibility of parents toward their children? So here we go. Along with the physical, social, and behavioral development of your kids, which is a lot. I mean, that in and of itself is like this huge weight that we carry as parents. We are also responsible for the spiritual development of our kids, right? Now, two weeks ago, I referred to Deuteronomy 6, and we're going to use it as our key passage today in our teaching. Uh, when I talked about singleness, but it also gives us a great guideline for parenting. And here it is. I found this little graphic up, we're going to put up on the screen here. It's in Deuteronomy uh, 6.4. And it says, Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your might. This can be a, a summary text of the entire scriptures. Jesus quotes it as the greatest commandment in the Gospels. So we look at this passage of Scripture and say, well, what does it mean to draw to Christ's developing community to point into culture? It's to love the Lord your God, but look at how you're supposed to love the Lord your God. With all your heart, with all your, with all your soul, and with all your might. It also uses the word mind. So in this passage of Scripture, we see three areas of spiritual development. Heart, soul, and mind. And so by choosing these words, the author of Deuteronomy is being very specific. He's trying to convey an idea of a growing love for God. It starts with the heart in the center of the being. It moves to the body of the being, which would be the soul. And then it moves to the outward actions of the being, which would be the mind or the strength. We as parents need to teach our children to love God with all of their being. The responsibility of parents is to bring the whole gospel to the whole child. This, this, uh, this covers their knowledge of God, their affections for God, and their obedience toward God. In order to do this, parents, in order to teach our children to love God with, our, with all of our heart, with all of their heart, soul, mind, and strength, we've got to change our mind and change the way that we think about the day-to-day -day challenges of parenting. Now, I'm going to push on you guys here. And I'm, I'm, I'm very guilty of this too. 
I've observed in the life of our church, in the life of our community, an overall frustration of parents toward their kids. I've seen this frustration in a lot of eye rolling, right? They're doing that again, right? I can't believe they're doing that. And it's just a general uh, grouchiness, I guess I could say, for being a parent and the challenges that come along with parenting, right? That's, that's kind of my, my observation. Now, parents, rolling our eyes at our kids or being frustrated with children is, is a sign that we are forgetting God's purposes and what he's placed us here to do. We do not continue to take a child back to their room when they get out of their bed because having a good night's sleep is important for them. It is. We don't continue to take them back to their bed over and over again because we really want to not see them anymore, which we do by the end of the day. But we do this because teaching them to obey you is teaching them to glorify God. We have to change the way that we think about this. Uh, In my life with my kids, I end up mediating a lot of conflicts. If you're a parent, you are the mediator too. And my greatest challenge in parenting is remembering that my goal is not peace in my household. My goal and responsibility is teaching my children obedience toward God and toward me, which involves their love toward one another. Now, church, I can't make parenting any easier for you, but I can remind you of God's purposes in this really challenging life with you as the parent and the kid. Those behavioral issues that each of our kids face is a result of sin in their lives. And our job as parents is to help our children see their sin and lead them to repentance. When my kids fight, my default reaction is to step in as mediator, find out who's right and wrong, and make one apologize to the other one. Therefore, my goal is just peace. It's to end the conflict. If that's all that I do as a parent, then I'm missing out on why God has placed me over these kids. It's not to end the conflict but it's to shepherd the heart of this child so that they will love God. In Deuteronomy 6, 4, and 5, the passage of Scripture goes on, and we're going to look at it here. It says, These words that I command you today shall be on your hearts. It's the heart of the child that we are responsible for as parents. It's not the outward actions only. So how do we change the heart of a child? This is where we're really going to dig in here. We change the heart of our children the same way that we change our own hearts. Most gospel ministry, most gospeling happens when ordinary people do ordinary things with gospel intentionality. There's no magic secret here, but it's us being intentional with the time that we have with our kids. Instead of being frustrated, let's make the most of the opportunity to disciple our children Our passage goes on to talk about this principle. And it says the way that you shepherd a heart, the way that you change a heart to love God with all of their being is this idea of leveraging every opportunity in life. It says in verse 7, you shall teach them these commands. You shall teach them diligently to your children. And you shall talk of them when you sit in your house and when you walk by the way and when you lie down and when you rise. Shepherding the heart of a child involves teaching when you sit And when you talk, and when you rise, and when you lie down, and when you ride in the car, and when you eat a meal together, and when you go camping, right? We, church parents, we all need to put down the iPhones 
and engage our kids. We have a very short window to do this. Those of you who have already been through this season of life can attest to the fact that we all need to be very intentional with the time that we have together. Life with our children is full of gospel opportunities to shape the hearts of our kids. It never ends. Every discipline opportunity is an opportunity to share the gospel with your child. You're talking about rebellion and sin. How can you then not talk about Jesus and grace and God and heaven? And how many times do we discipline our children? Daily, right? So then this opportunity to discipline and talk and be in relationship with our kids can't be frustrating to us. We have to leverage these opportunities. Dads, I want to call you guys to lead in this, right? I believe you were made to lead in this. Your kids can't just see you as the heavy. Although discipline's a good thing, right? It's all over the scriptures. God disciplines those that he loves. Hebrews 11. No, Hebrews 9. Dads, if your kids only see you as a disciplinarian, then you're missing out on all of these gospel conversations. Dads, let's lead in this. We were made to lead in this. We were made to leverage these opportunities. I want you to be the voice of the gospel in your family. The passage goes on in verse 8, and this is how we are to be the gospel in our family. Men, patriarchs, matriarchs, here's what you're to do. You're to bind the commands of God as a sign on your hands. And they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. What are you to bind? The commands of God, the ways of God, the love of God for his people. Bind them on your hands as a reminder of right conduct so that you see them before you and affects the way that you live out your life. Dads and mothers, your day-to-day actions have huge ramifications on your children. It also says that we're to bind the word of God's not only to our hands so that we don't forget, but we're also to bind them between our eyes. This is a reminder of our private life, the life that no one else sees with us. Men, if we are going to lead our families to love God, the things that we do in the dark have eternal ramifications for our kids. As the patriarch and the responsibility of the family when you don't step into that responsibility and you do things that you think nobody else sees, it affects your kids. It's an open door to allow sin and rebellion into your home. So we have to take the commands of God. They have to be on our hands so that they affect our private life. They have to be between our eyes because our eyes are the gateway to our heart that lead us to sin. And then it goes on. It says we're to write the commands of God on our gates and on our homes and on the doorposts. This means that it affects our public life. The idea that God is, is portraying here is make his commands such a valuable and regular part of your life that you cannot forget. There's no way that, nowhere that you can go that you can't see them. God says in the book of Deuteronomy, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget, don't forget. Why? Because he knows that we're prone to forget. He goes on in verse 12 in just a little bit and says, I give you all these commands so that you will not forget and then become like the nations around you. 
Our responsibility as parents is to not, to not to forget to put God on display in your life, but also in the life of your kids. Just a real simple, practical way, a, a way this happened in my life recently. We were able to go camping with our kids, uh, and I really look forward to taking my kids camping because we live in the city. Uh, I grew up kind of a country boy, and so this idea of seeing the stars at night I don't know if your kids who grow up in the city have say, oh, look at the stars. And there's like 10 of them, you know? Like that's what they see in Portland, a good starry night. And I'm like, no, you really need to see the stars. And so I picked a particular camping spot that I knew was really remote because I wanted my kids to see the stars. And, uh, and I wanted to talk to them about it. And so we went out to um, south of Bend to Lake Billy Chinook out there, and we camped. Um, we camped out there, and one night it was just this beautiful night, and I took a blanket and I, and I walked out to this field, um, and I laid the blanket down. I brought my girls out there, and we laid on our backs, and I had one on this shoulder and one on this shoulder. And we spent about 30 or 45 minutes just looking at the real stars. And we talked about, what are those stars? And talked about how there are many suns, just like our sun is. And why do you think God would create all those stars? Why do you think God would create something that's so far away that we can't even grasp the reality of? And we went on to talk about how, the cre- how creation worships God and, and, and God's just the magnitude of who he is and how that, what that means for us as his creation. And a big God like that would love people like us. That's what gospeling your kids is. It's, it's taking the moments in life to lead their heart to know God more. This way, as they grow older, they will not forget We do train up our child in the way that he should go so that when he is older, they will not depart from it. We do that not by, we do that by being intentional, 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 intentional. I I, I try to see parenting as this, this very short window and I try to place this immediacy on it because I don't want to look back and say, man, I wish I would have spent more time with my kids. Man, I wish I would have leveraged more opportunities. You have that opportunity now. Grandparents, you have that opportunity now to speak the gospel into the life of your kids. Leverage the challenge they're having with their children to talk about the gospel. Remind their hearts of who God is. So how do we do this, parents? How do we do this day in and day out of the grind of parenting? We do this by keeping the message of the grace and the goodness of God in front of us at all times. The reason that he tells them to write it on their hands and bind it to their heads and write it on the doorposts of their houses and their gates is so that they as parents will also not forget. So that everywhere we go, we are reminded of who God is. Don't forget the faithfulness of God in your life. Parents, we have to take care lest we forget the Lord. We do this, we remember God through two things, the gospel word and gospel relationships. It's you being in God's word and allowing the word of God to speak to your heart so that it will naturally flow onto your families. And it's by you being in relationship with other Christians so that they are speaking the gospel to your heart. And it is naturally flowing into your family and on to your children. Dads, as patriarchs, as heads of your households, part of stepping into the role of leader 
and of the way that God has designed you is by you teaching the Word of God to your families. We provide resources for you to do this. We have family devotionals out in the lobby that are free that you can take that will help you teach the Word of God to your kids. If you are not in God's Word, it will not be shaping your heart and you will not be teaching it to your children. Right? This is how it works. God's design. We know God. We experience His grace on a daily basis. And then it flows on to our children. A part of communion and what we're going to do in a little bit is us coming and remembering who dad is. We remember the grace that's been extended to us through Jesus Christ. We were all rebellious kids and God came to us as our father and he led us to know him. He modeled for us his grace through Jesus Christ. Parents, I want you to come and remember that. And I pray that truth will change the way that you interact with your kids. God wasn't frustrated with us. He was gracious and patient and slow to anger. He took the right amount of time to shepherd us. Many of us, when we look back on our journey with God, was a long, tedious journey. It continues to be. We are to have that same gracious and patient journey with our kids as they continue to know God. And in so doing, We will lead them to be the worshipers that God has created them to be. That's our goal today. That's what parenting is. It's worshiping God through the lives of your children worshiping God. Right? Let's continue in this journey together. Let's continue to talk about this in home community. Let's continue to have the difficult conversations about headship in the home and how do we get there. And and let's do it together. I know it's challenging. But I also believe it's God's ways, and we can lean into God and trust what He's going to do. So let's pray together. We're going to continue to worship. We're going to go and get our kids and bring them back up here and take communion with them and remind them of also the grace of God. So let's pray. Uh, Father, we come before you as your creation, a God, knowing that you made us and your ways are the best ways, God. Uh, I admit that that, uh, this idea of male leadership was a foreign concept to me. Uh, God, it took me a long time to understand your ways, and it's taken me even longer to continue to model it. And and, and we as men are only able to do that in grace and humility because we're sinful, Father. We also believe that you're using us, God. I I just pray for the men of this church, Father, that you would lead them to be the men and the leaders of their home that you've created them to be. That this church would live out its mission and its values through these, through these men stepping into their roles and their responsibilities. God, I, I truly believe the church doesn't need more pastors. It needs more men who love their families and who love the Word of God and who will take that Word into their life, into their places of work and into their neighborhoods. What you could do, Father, with even a small group of men like this church the ramifications that we could have eternally for the kingdom through the generations of our kids following you. Father, I know in my family it only takes one man willing to change direction, willing to break uh, uh, generations of sin and of rebellion. And that, that one act, that one man stepping into that role has eternal ramifications. God, would you do that in this church? Father, I also pray for our mothers here, God, 
the, the responsibility they have to come alongside their husband, submitting as his helper equal to him, joining with him in this journey to raise the children. Would they not feel like they're doing it alone, but together they're doing it, Father? Would you fill the women in this church, would you make them Proverbs 31 women who love their family and are willing to do anything for their family? Would you allow them as the primary ones in this church who spend the most time with our children to be overwhelmed with your grace so that their children would then be overwhelmed with your grace? Father, I pray for our kids. God, I pray for our children that they would know you, Father. Would you call them to yourself? That is only something you could do. Would you open our kids' hearts to know you, Father? And would you use us as parents to do that? to lead them to obedience. Father, I pray for our single moms and our single dads in this church. Thank you for your sustaining grace in their lives. Thank you for their model of endurance that they have continued to take up the cross daily and model it for their kids. Would you also rally the church around them so that they would not feel alone and that together we could be a family, Father. I pray you would do this, and I would ask that you would do all of this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from Red Sea Church. If you would like more information about Red Sea, including more audio messages, please go to our website at www.redseachurch.org. If you would like to contact Red Sea, you can email us at info at redseachurch.org.